this afternoon. In giving you a report tonight on our, the recent trip that Daniel Nordstrom and I made to South Sudan about the uh, first part of August, I want to begin with um, expressing thanks on behalf of Santino and his family for the most generous contribution that you have made to bring his family uh, to this country so they would be together. We've already started the process and I'm told that uh, it will take still 12 to 18 months to accomplish this, but um, uh, we will be working on it. The thing I would like for you to see in what I'm going to say tonight is that I want you to see what God has done in South Sudan. I take no credit for the success of the things that I will tell you about. And it has been accomplished because of many of you personally having a part in it for the contributions that you have made as a church to uh, assist this work in that country and to frankly pay for the, the operation of the things that we have done and through the uh, means of many other people and churches throughout the United States who have partnered uh, with us in this work. Now, the first, as we arrived there this year, the, the fourth session of our South Sudan Bible School was starting. And there you see some of the students in this class. There were about 17 students in this session. When this session ends, there, we will have had over 70 men who have gone through our school, who have studied the Bible, five days a week, all day long, for three and a half months each. Now these men will go home better equipped to be preachers and leaders in God's church. The, one of the first things that we did when we arrived was to unload the container that had arrived just a few days before we did. And um, these, this is some, um, uh, the picture you see is some uh, shelving that men of this congregation uh, made and were carried on in. Also some men of this congregation made some uh, uh, seating, some benches for the church building uh, in, in uh, Pujak. Um, these these um, benches were shipped unassembled and Rose, who is the custodian for our clinic, came over. She did not ask permission. We did not ask her to come. She just came and she jumped in and helped. And uh, she's carrying two of the bench seats, about eight feet long each. If I picked up one of those at the time, I had difficulty carrying it. But Rose picked up two of those and marched right off with it, put on top of her head, and as you notice, she's smiling as she goes. Then this is what those benches looked like when they were finished and in the church building. Now, this is going to make this church building one of the finest church buildings of any group in South Sudan, and I doubt that any of them have benches that will last as long or uh, endure as long as these benches will. These are good benches and they will be useful. 
I was told by the men, as these men worked about three and a half hours or one and a half hours to put these benches together. That's what they look like in the auditorium. And I was told that uh, the next day, the services, the tenants would be down because the rains had started and uh, people were in their fields planting their crops. And so the attendance would be down. But we still had about 250 people, which is not a bad attendance. And um, here the congregation is, they come out one at a time and then form a line, everybody else comes out and shakes hands with them so that um, at the end of last person having left the auditorium, every individual in the church has been greeted and shaken hands with every other individual in the church. Now, we were also given a donation of about 10,000 bars of soap that was in this container. And uh, we passed those out to the church after the services that morning. And um, I suggested to the ladies that they hold the soap up to their nose and smell it. And I said, you see how good it smells. And I suggested to them that if you will tell your husbands when they next take a bath, that if they will use this soap, they will smell a lot better. And the ladies laughed and clapped a good time, long time over that suggestion. This is some of the medicines that were put in the shelves immediately after those shelves came out. They, they came out of the container and I was going to take the boxes and help them organize the, the medicines on the shelf, but by the time I got to it, the nurse, the assistant nurse had already taken them out and organized them. She was glad to see it. Here's a picture of our assistant nurse, Marcella. This little man, when I walked in, was very small. I could barely see him in the bed. He was laying there, and his eyes were not open. He was not moving, and he was giving an IV. And uh, I, the next day or so, I came, and there was a little boy, about four years old, laying in the bed, too. And they said he came in, he was not eating, and he was not drinking anything. And both of these people were given IV. I asked the nurse what was the problem with them. He said they had malaria. Both of these people would have died in a day or so without the medicines free that they were given in this clinic. And you folks had a part in that. You donate a lot of these medicines and you paid for some of those medicines. You have paid for the clinic and for the people who work in that clinic. And these people would have died without your contribution and without your help. You'll notice here also that behind these desks there are some metal folding chairs. Albert um, uh, England found these chairs, I think, hidden in a storage room here in the building someplace. And so he suggested that we take these in our container and we put them up immediately. These folding chairs, although they were something outdated for this congregation and not of any use anymore, these are some of the finest folding chairs that you will find in all of South Sudan. These will last 20 or 30 years. They do not have anything this substantial there. And here's Jeremy Thompson, our, uh, our academic dean, having found a little baby that he can hold for a little bit. And um, uh, Patty Willoughby here organized several of you ladies to, to help her make some uh, bear dolls. 
And uh, Rose here again is having a, a lot of uh, joy in passing out these little bear dolls to the sick children who come to the clinics where they will be given. I thought I would, as she was having so much fun with it, I would try to pass one out and I gave it to this little child and the child immediately began to cry. And uh, I thought, well, these children, they don't, um, they don't have dolls, they don't have toys, they don't know what this is. And then later on I realized that I was the one that was scaring her, making her cry, because she had probably never seen a white person before. And here are the, the water well drilling trucks that Healing Hands has paid for and has shipped there and will be using uh, to drill water wells. Uh, all over the country uh, of South Sudan. Now, while I was there, the, the teachers worked up a list of um, the congregations that they could, they could, they could remember and they, that they knew about. And they came up with a list of at least 37 congregations that we have now. I want to call attention to you. I want to say that again. This is not 37 baptisms that have occurred. We now, because of this work that you all have been a part of, we have 37 congregations now. And now there are some of those on that, not, that are not on that list they didn't know about that I did. And, and in South Sudan now, we probably have at least 50 congregations. Now that means also that we now have over 70 men that have been trained to be preachers and leaders. In January of this next year, we will start level two of our preacher training school. Those men who've gone through level one and have gone home and done good, and they've been recommended by their congregation, will come back for level two, uh, a more uh, uh, a deeper uh, level of... Uh, of study. It was our opinion and our conclusion after our visit that the, the, the approach of our trying to evangelize South Sudan was working and that it was going in the right direction. When Griff and I went to about five years ago to South Sudan on our first trip we went to a, congregate, a, a village for the first stop that we made. It was a village called Opari. And there was no church there, but someone from that vicinity had asked us to come and preach and they had gathered their family and their friends and they came and we preached. One of our preachers came later and preached some more, established the church. And then one of the men rose up to become the leader and the preacher for the congregation. That congregation, in the meantime, has started two other churches. And five men from those three churches will have graduated from our school by the end of this, this current session. Now, I got an email just a couple of weeks ago from one of the men of that congregation telling us that there were other villages around there that were asking them to come and preach the gospel to them as well. And then he said in one line that that congregation plans by 2015, and that's a little over a year from now, that by 2015, with the, after these five students have graduated, 
they plan to open five to ten new churches because they now will have enough preachers to take care of these new places. One of the last things that we did when, before we left was that we invited the chief of the village, he's the one with the cane, to come with his uh, five of his uh, major advisors and to come and to tour our campus and for us to show them what we were doing. And um, after we toured the campus, I asked them if they had any questions about what we were doing or if they have any comments to make. And they could not have been more effusive with their compliments of what we were doing there. They had no criticisms at all. They said that we have given land to many people, but you are the only ones that have done anything with it. And they had nothing but compliments to make for what we were doing for their people. And they said, we would like for you to go back and thank the people of the United States for what they're doing to help their people. The tall man beside the chief there was the chief of the village when we first started going there, first started our work there. And he said, I would like to make one suggestion. I would like to suggest that you build a maternity ward to go with your clinic because we have so many of our women who are dying in childbirth. What I've told you about in this short period of time is what you have been accomplishing along with other Christian people in the United States in South Sudan. It may not have happened in my lifetime, but I believe in a few short years that we will see the Church of Christ in South Sudan begin to explode in greed, in, in growth. And back in the 1820s and 1830s, there was a man by the name of uh, Scott, that uh, Walter Scott, I believe his name was, that preached in, uh, no, Barton W. Stone, I'm sorry, that preached in Kentucky and Tennessee. And um, his preaching and the growth that occurred after his preaching was referred to as like fire in dry stubble. I believe that the Church of Christ in South Sudan will experience that kind of a growth in a few years. Well, I don't have a flashy PowerPoint, and I know I look like a wet rag doll, but I assure you the information is good. <laughs> um, I want to talk to you a little bit tonight just about our El Salvador trip of 2013, uh, the trip we took back in uh, July. Um, it was mine and my wife's first mission trip uh, ever, and... I can safely say that it is not our last because uh, it was truly an amazing experience. Uh, the trip that we took was an evangelical mission trip. Um, we went with several other congregations um, in the surrounding area. We met up down there with uh, Phil and worked with the, the local congregation there in Santa Elena uh, promoting their gospel meeting, uh, going out, doing door knocking, throughout the day, teaching classes, uh, 
we had, uh, I, as I said, the gospel meeting in the evening time. Um, but our ultimate goal was just to seek and to save the lost there in that community. Um, some of our daily routines, our various jobs, you know, we would wake up every morning. Uh, we would all have breakfast together, which by far was one of the best times. Because um, if anybody knows me, I'm a, I love food. <laughs> Um, so that was that was awesome. I love the food down there. It was very very good. Um, but we would meet up. We would we would uh, we would have breakfast together. We would kind of get our bearings uh, straight for the day. Uh, we would all head over to the congregation in Santa Elena, where we would um, we would have a VBS in the morning, um, some prayer time, uh, some adult classes and stuff that we would that we would attend. Uh, and then the work began. Um, me and uh, several other people were responsible for going out and doing door knockings in the community. Uh, I think overall we knocked over like six, seven hundred something doors. I mean, it, it, was, it was a lot. We knocked over a lot of doors. Um, had multiple, multiple um, Bible studies um, there. Also, along with that, uh, some, of the, some of the ladies uh, that were there as well, they would teach uh, the kids throughout the day. Um, they, were, uh, they would do skits in the park. We would go out into the park in the afternoon and do skits with the kids, the local kids in the community, uh, which was a lot of fun because we got to teach them about God uh, through various stories of the Bible. Uh, and that was always a lot, a lot of fun. Um, in the evening time, we would come back for the gospel meeting um, where... I taught a new converts class and several other people uh, that we were working with taught classes of their own. Um, and it was, just, it was just a really, really neat experience. Um, and for me, I think, you know, experience is everything. And, you know, I talked about the food and, and, and that, was, that, was all, that was all good and, and the community itself was, was neat. Seeing these new people, uh, seeing them in their own environment, um, but it was the friendships that we made with people. Seeing seeing God at work um, in the lives of these people, and seeing how the prayers here uh, back home really affected a lot of what we did uh, down there. Uh, I met a really really good friend down there, uh, Victor Hugo, uh, who happens to be one of the Espinosa brothers. Um, turned out to just be a wonderful, wonderful influence and a great guy. He was my partner. They called us the dynamic duo. Um, we would, you know, go out and knock doors together, just us two, um, and had a lot of success. And uh, it was just so neat getting to know people like him, getting to know people who were strong in their faith um, and wanting to do good work for the Lord and seeing that good work played out in them. Um, we did have multiple baptisms uh, while we were there as well, which that was probably the greatest blessing of all. Um, it was just truly a great experience. Um, just a quick story about Victor Hugo, just so you kind of have a, an, an understanding of who this guy was. Um, he was a jokester, loved to joke around all the time. And a lot of times it was kind of hard to uh, figure out that he was joking. Um, but it was... It was fun one night, we were all sitting around and um, Hector, who most, most of you know, had brought his guitar and we were all sitting outside just playing guitar at the end of the day. 
and um, I'd played a few songs that I knew and when we finished we were you know going back to our rooms and and uh, Victor Hugo walked up to me and he said uh, Chris you're one of my new favorite heroes I was like oh really and he was like yeah you're, you're on my list now he goes he goes you Batman and Enrique Iglesias <laughs> and I just busted out laughing but um, just a great guy and and that just the, the community down there the people down there were were what made it um, if you ever get a chance to go on a trip like that um, I was I was really surprised at how much you know with it being an evangelical mission trip how much work there was to do um, there's always something that you can be involved in, um, even if it is just evangelical. Um, and we learned that out real quick, and it was truly a blessing. And if you get a chance to ever go, don't hesitate, do it. God bless. Let me say as I begin that I am so thankful to be a part of the Mount Juliet congregation. The heart and the spirit of each one of you uh, is just amazing. And I'm thankful for our, our elders, our leaders who, who have uh, engendered this, this spirit as they follow our chief shepherd, Jesus Christ. And it can be seen by so many putting themselves out to do mission work. Jesus is the one that said he came to seek and save that which was lost. That was his mission. And our elders, our leadership, are so good about keeping the main thing the main thing and keeping that before us, and I'm thankful for them. They've asked me to give a report on our mission trip this year to Marlinton, West Virginia. And this is a work that's very dear to me. It's the sixth year that we have gone to Marlinton. Marlinton is a small uh, uh, community, small town. It's kind of a depressed area economically. And we got involved with this work back when Phil Wagner was our youth minister. And it was the uh, mission trip that the teenagers would go on, the high school teenagers, and they would uh, do a, gospel, or a, a, a vacation Bible school. Uh, for the community. And uh, with this has since turned into uh, a uh, mission work for the young adults. And they have done excellent with it this year. The ones that, that went did an excellent job. We owe a very special or a very, very sincere thank you to Sandy Smith and Tracy Shannon. Uh, they have gone every year and helped and, and organized the, the curriculum and Sandy is our crafts lady. And if you know anything about Vacation Bible School, Vacation Bible School is not Vacation Bible School with a good, without a good crafts lady. And so we, we are thankful to Sandy for all the work that she does. This trip gives our young people an opportunity to step up and take a leadership role in a Vacation Bible School. We go and we knock doors, we invite the community, and it, like I said, it's a small town. We can, we can knock nearly every door in town in, in one day's time. And we have gone so much now that as we go back, these children are anxious 
to come to the Vacation Bible School at Marlington Church of Christ. And as you go to the door and knock on the door, you can just see them get excited. And the parents have told us they look forward to this week all year long for the Vacation Bible School. And even though it's been uh, mainly different individuals that have gone every year, the spirit and the love that they have shown to these families and to these children has just shown through and shown the love of Christ uh, to this community. The thing about Marlington is it's a small congregation. And for anybody that has been in a small congregation, you know the struggles that a small congregation has. When my family was converted in the small town of Sioux Center, Iowa, we were converted to a congregation of about 22 people. And, and yet we were starved for the Bible knowledge and the Bible stories and the Bible understanding. And they provided that for us. Six years ago when we went to Marlinton, the thing that stuck out with all of us more than anything was the way that these people were starving for Bible teaching, Bible knowledge, Bible instruction. Uh, several of them would ask that we would have Bible studies separate and apart from uh, the, the gospel meeting. We kind of hold a, an adult vacation Bible school for the adults as the, the kids are having their vacation Bible school. And it's been interesting. It's been such a blessing to see over the six years the spiritual growth that has taken place in this congregation, but also the, the growth and the, the unity that is, has taken place amongst themselves. Uh, it's, it's a different environment. And I would like to think that, that all the young people and all the young adults that have gone and, and been a part of this congregation has helped engender that spirit and take the spirit of, of Christ uh, and even help our brothers and sisters there. So I want to thank everybody that has gone. I want to thank everybody that, that has prayed, that has supported this work. Um, we're thankful to the elders that they have allowed us to continue with this, um, uh, even after uh, Phil was no longer leading it. But uh, it, it has definitely been a good work. This year, uh, we had a uh, Seth and Laura Roselle go with their three sweet children. And Seth did the uh, adult Bible class, or the Bible class for, for the church, uh, adult Bible class Sunday morning. And then Doug Ferguson, who is now in, in East Tennessee going to preaching school, he uh, was preached Sunday morning. And then Sunday evening began the, the vacation Bible school. And so I hope you can see what an opportunity this is for our young people and for our young adults to be able to share their faith and to be able to teach someone else. And if you've ever been on a mission trip, your faith will be stretched and strengthened more by going on a mission trip or sharing your faith with someone. It don't have to be on a mission trip. But let's be honest, it's easier sometimes to go with a group of people with a, with a goal in mind, with a mission in mind, and kind of be pushed into those things to share your faith and to talk about God. And that's what strengthens our faith. We should be just as ready to do it with our neighbor and with our coworker. But sometimes we need these other training fields to where we can get comfortable, to where we can do that. And I know from personal experience, from being a part of the Mount Juliet congregation, it has helped me grow spiritually. It's helped me be an individual 
who, who more readily and, and comfortably shares my faith with others. And I thank you for that. Being in a small congregation, the other thing that, that I remember was a, a church in Texas that supported our work there. And they would come up, it wasn't every year, but several times growing up, I remember them coming up and doing this type thing with our congregation. And what a shot in the arm it was and what an encouragement it was uh, for them to be there. And we see that same thing with the, the Marlinton congregation. I guess one thing I left out is the connection we have with Marlinton, which is, is special, is uh, Stephanie Hines. Her parents, who you may know, they visit here uh, from time to time with us, uh, Ken and Barb um, McLaughlin are members there at the Marlinton Church. And so Kevin and Stephanie and, and their kids are at that congregation uh, often. But it's, a, it's an encouragement for us to go. It's an opportunity for us to grow. It's an opportunity for our young people to grow. And it's an encouragement for them. And we've seen the fruits of that. When we left this year, two of the mothers who had brought their children past years for several years, two of the mothers had expressed interest in having Bible studies. And Ken and Barb were going to follow up with them and have the studies with them. Uh, they've got one lady that they pick up on a regular basis and bring to church who has started coming. And, uh, uh, and so we see growth. We see the opportunity that, 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 uh, that is there, even though it is on a much smaller scale than maybe the Sudan or, or some of the other works we see. Uh, but it's good to be a part of sharing God's love with, our, with, with those who need it. Thank you all. Good evening. Many of you may know that uh, I've uh, had a, an interest and a passion for the work in Ukraine for quite a number of years. And I want to report to you tonight on uh, uh, some, some things that I'm sure that you're, many of you are interested in. Um, on, on Sunday, March the 3rd of this year, on Missions Emphasis Day, the Mount Juliet Church gave generously to support the purchase of a place of worship for our sister church at Krasner Misk, Ukraine. This is the church that we have sponsored for many years. In fact, uh, next year will be the 20th anniversary of the establishment of this congregation. Back in, on March the 3rd, the church gave over $124,000 for this purpose. Now, I want to to say thanks once again for this overwhelming outpouring of love and sacrifice. The church there in Ukraine is exceedingly grateful and is excited about the prospect of having a desirable place at last, with all the glory going to the Lord, of course. And I want to report uh, on that process tonight. The process has been rather slow due to legal matters that had to be settled. The church there, they have to register that church with the, with the government. And it was already registered, but there was, we found that there were deficiency in the registration uh, certificates, and those had to be corrected, and that took some time. Uh, 
But now, to the best of our knowledge, all the legal matters have been resolved and we are actively searching for a place. This will probably be a house to be converted into a church because a business establishment there would be too costly. Since two of us, uh, probably myself and Buddy Pickler, will need to travel to Ukraine to assist in the closing, we are hoping to find a place before the winter. If this is not possible, we may have to wait until spring since winters there are quite severe and it may be difficult for uh, us to get, in, to get into there and out. But I want each, and every, each of you to know, please know that all the money that we collected, all the $124,000, will be used exclusively for the Ukraine property, partly in purchase price and partly in other needs related to the property, such as taxes, insurance, and upkeep. If any of you have any questions about this uh, endeavor, please see myself, uh, David Fleming, David Burka, or Buddy Pickler. Thank you very much, and uh, may God bless you and, and, and the church and the work at Krasner Mills. Good evening. I'm the last one this evening, so we're almost done here. I've, I uh, thank you for your patience as you've listened to the reports uh, that have been made this evening. I am here to uh, give an update on the stateside trip from this year. Um, this was my first long-term mission trip. I stayed for two months after we did the door-knocking campaign. And let me tell you, they were uh, so appreciative of the work that went on and so appreciative of the many people that came up to support the efforts there. Uh, for those of you who have not heard, maybe, we knocked on 10,028 doors in five days. That is the largest campaign that y'all have been a part of outside of Mount Juliet, and that's to be commended. Um, I thank Mike for organizing that and the many other people who helped support that and uh, for making that possible through your efforts as well. I, I can't thank you enough. Um, of those 10,028 doors, 362 people said, I'll listen. Let's, let's sit down at some point and talk. Now, since then, we've been, uh, they, the folks there at State Street Church of Christ have been working effortlessly to, um, effortlessly, wrong word. They've been putting a lot of effort into this. Um, they've been making a lot of phone calls and they have to date called on over 200 of those folks. Um, they have some more work to do and they are working hard at it. After they have called them, if they haven't gotten a response, they've started writing handwritten cards saying, sorry, we haven't got a hold of you. We'd love to talk to you sometime about the Bible. Um, and then after that, they've sent out a letter offering the Bible correspondence courses that they do through the State Street Church of Christ. Next step in their process is to create some form of community outreach or maybe like a family or friends day like we do here and specifically invite those who said they were interested and try to get them to come again. And after that, they're going to do one more round of phone calls. All in all, that'll have been seven points of contact with your efforts, those who went on the trip, and then also the efforts that they've maintained going forward. From that, they have had over 50 Bible studies, both the week of the campaign and since then. They have had 12 baptisms and three restorations. If that's not God working, I don't know what is. That's awesome to see the efforts that we put forward, God using them to his glory. And uh, we're to be commended for that, for putting the, the effort forward. 
There's four stories I want to try to quickly relate to you without taking too much time. Stories of conversions that have happened not only while I was there, but also from last year. Um, we went to State Street Church of Christ, which is in Bristol, right there on the border of Virginia and Tennessee. It's in the Tri-Cities area. And just south of them is a town called Elizabethton, which is where uh, the states, stateside campaign was last year. Last year they knocked on the door of a couple who was not married, sat down, had Bible studies, and they were baptized the week of the campaign. Uh, the church realized uh, that they were living together and not married, and so they spoke to them and um, did a, a number of Bible studies, and they, they eagerly moved out from each other and said, this is, we're, we're not doing right. Since then, um, they have continued to study, and this year they were out knocking doors with us, uh, which was awesome. Less than a year into their relationship with God, and they were eager to tell others of what life changes had happened. And while I was up there, they actually got married. So um, the work that happens, it's not always an immediate result. It doesn't always make immediate changes. And in their case, it did, and it also made some life changes for them. And so that was awesome to see that follow through. There was another lady that we knocked on the door of this year who had um, a felony record. And she was struggling to provide for her three kids. And she was baptized the week of the campaign, and she started coming very frequently. And uh, was having a hard time finding a job, but the members there were, were always keeping an eye out, seeing what they could do. She has found a job. And she has been working there for about three weeks now. I heard today that this last week she was working there and a uh, father and, and his child had come in and were sitting at the counter where she serves ice cream and different foods and, and stuff. Um, we're sitting there and they asked for some hot dogs and fries and she served them and started having conversation and brought up God. And we're talking a month and a half into her relationship with God and she is telling others of who God is. They left that evening and came back later in the week. She had already shut down the grill and they came in asking for hamburgers and fries. And she fired that grill right back up and served them just like we are taught to serve. And from that, um, the, the gentleman was very generous and gave her a tip of $21 on what was like a $10 bill. Um, he said, I'm sorry, I don't have more. It's all in my pocket. Of course, she began to cry. She's trying to make ends meet. And she said, I really can't take that. That's too much. And he said, no, please, you've, you've made an impact on myself and my child. I thank you for that. And she gave God the glory. What is going on with states side campaigns is amazing and also the campaigns that are going throughout all the world that we've heard about another one other story I want to relate young man a year and a half ago lost his father to cirrhosis of the liver one of the families there at State Street um, had taken him in he was very depressed and was had tried to commit suicide a number of times in the last year while I was there he asked some very very straightforward questions how do I know that this is truth how am I supposed to believe that salvation should be something that I should be enjoying when my father died not having been baptized? Last week, the same day that Chris Lamb was baptized, this young man was baptized. 
God is working in all that we do. God is using our words, he's using our actions, and he's using these campaigns and these mission works to further his kingdom. And it is wonderful to be a part of it. And I think you all should, should be commended for your efforts to continue to support Mount Juliet here, as well as their efforts to reach out into the communities around the world. When I look at, at, at all that has been reported this evening, there's one common thread. And it's that we went out and we cast the seed. When we look at the parable of the sower in Luke 8, he says, now the, verse 11, now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God, or sorry, let me jump back, uh, verse 4, uh, and when a great multitude had gathered, they had come to him from every city, he spoke a parable, a sower went out to sow seed. This parable is about the sower. He went out to sow the seed. And he continues to tell us the different types of ground that the seed fell on. And in some cases that seed would grow and multiply. And in others it would start but wither because it wasn't firmly rooted. And so later on, he explains this, the parable of the sower and says that the seed is the word of God and those by the wayside are the ones who hear and then the devil comes and takes the word out of their hearts. And he goes through the multiple different, um, different types of ground and what they represent. But what catches me on this and what I love to read about this parable is verse 16. No one, when he has lit a lamp, covers it under a vessel or puts it under a bed, but sets it on a lampstand that those who enter may see the light. We as Christians have lit our lights when we are baptized into the body. And all those men that stood up here this evening and, and all those who were parts of those campaigns and missions have definitely not hidden their lamps. They've put them out for those in the communities to see. And whether you go on these trips or not, you're supporting it. You're supporting it by being here and praying for us, by being here and, and, and giving weekly to support the work that's being done. And I want to thank you for that. But for those of you who are sitting here and saying, well, I'd love to do something, but I don't have a lot of money and I really can't take a week off to go on vacation. It's okay. You don't have to. You can be like that lady who at work just started bringing up God in conversation. Don't put anything over your light. Let it be seen. Put it on the lampstand. Let God be seen in everything you do. And while I was there in, in, in Bristol, I was truly blessed to see a number of the brothers and sisters here coming and doing that, especially this section over here. If you haven't met these young people, they are awesome. I saw people who don't talk very much knocking on doors and telling people who God was. I saw these young people dealing with the, the young children that came in and making them feel loved and warmed and, and making them feel apart. That's what we need to do. We need to get out there and be talking about God to others around us. If you're here tonight and you haven't been doing that, tonight's a great night to make the commitment to make that change in your life. Let God win, like we learned about this morning. Let God win. Let him be on the tip of your tongue 
and be the center of all your conversations. Let him get the glory for every blessing you receive this week. Let him get the glory for every day that you wake up and get to see the sunrise. God has been good to you. And if there's something that's weighing on your heart, if you haven't been putting him first, if you haven't been giving him the glory, if you haven't been talking about him and you want us to help you, we'd love to do that. We'd love to pray with you. We'd love to pray for you. And maybe you're ready to commit your life. Maybe you're ready to light your lamp. Maybe you're ready to put Christ on in baptism. Tonight is as good a night as any, if not better. Because the sooner you do it, the sooner God can work in your life. Thank you for your support of the many missions. Thank you to the elders for allowing me to go out and spend two months in Bristol. Um, it is an experience that I enjoyed and will definitely cherish for the rest of my life. And I hope to get out there and do some more work alongside each and every one of you. But tonight, if there's anything we can do, please come forward. Let us know because we're here to bear your burdens. We're here to help you through.